Hey there, this is D. Yvonne Vivers, your host for Birth Moms Real Talk, a podcast where you will hear the journeys of birth mothers who have placed children in adoption and also have some emotional and tough conversations, or you may say hot topics about adoption. Listen in. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is D. Yvonne Vivers. I'm your host for Birth Moms Real Talk. As you know, we come to you with a birth mom telling her journey, and we're going to talk real today. I'm so pleased to have as my guest today, Rose. Welcome to Birth Moms Real Talk. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, this has been such a joy of having and talking to birth moms. I feel like we have our little own little private chat in this podcast. And it's a way for you to share your story, your journey about what you've been through, how it is and all of that. So I'm going to turn it over to you for you to start telling about your journey. Okay. So I think I'll start with I met my the birth father when I was 15. He was 18, and he was one of my good friend's brother. And so I, I already knew him, but we there was no connection there until late in my ninth grade year. And we he started calling me, and he started paying a whole lot of attention to me, which I apparently needed. <laughs> ah. He was an older boy, so that was kind of cool. All my friends thought that was cool. So we became a thing. My parents did not approve, obviously. And we had some restrictions on our dating and stuff like that. And, but obviously not enough. We became pretty sexually active about nine months into the relationship. Mm -hmm. And once we started, it was like, I feel like we, I feel like it was something that we did all the time. Wow. Wow. We, you know, we just found time to do it. And eventually I became pregnant. I didn't know how to tell my parents. It was, I didn't want to disappoint them. I knew that they would be disappointed. And what I age am, were you then? I was 15. Okay. okay. I was still 15. It was actually a month before my 16th birthday. Okay. That I started getting sick in the mornings. I knew immediately that. I was pregnant because, of course, we didn't use any contraceptives. My sister, so I am the youngest of five children, and my siblings are quite a bit older than I am. Mm-hmm. So she was 10 years older than I was, and she actually worked for an adoption agency. She was a social worker at mm-hmm. an adoption agency. So she was my first go-to, and she helped me tell my mom that I was pregnant. And then, of course, we told my dad. I felt like they handled it better than... I would have Mm. (laughs) had my children come to me, but they were all very supportive. Of course, abortion was not even, it was something I didn't even think about, wasn't even an option. But my parents, of course, because my sister was in the adoption world, Mm -hmm. they, I don't know that they assumed that's probably not the right word, but it was kind of expected of me to see about that. So was that that expectation there without them saying it? Absolutely. Okay. Because I do remember them trying to be neutral, you know, trying to not make that decision for me. 
mm-hmm. until, which I'll, we'll talk about that later. But so my sister, and I'm so thankful for her for this because she got into some therapy immediately with someone else and they helped me kind of weigh all my options. And of course she was from the adoption agency, but she was very, she was very kind and she was very, you know, she just helped me weigh everything. Okay. She helped me, she helped me do, you know, just figure out my life. And even though I had that, by the time that I gave birth, I still had not made the decision. Okay. 100%. Right before I gave birth, I remember, I, I remember them giving me a stack of papers and these, these papers were like a biography of adoptive parents, the parents okay. that wanted to have children. Okay. And I remember reading through them. It was a stack. I remember reading through them and picking a few, you know, that I thought might work. And I remember picking this one in particular, which is her adoptive parents. Now, it said that they were medium income. She was a teacher. He was a business owner. And they had another child that they adopted and he was two years old. Okay. And so that was pretty much, I set that to the side and I told the social worker that's that's who I want. If I decide to do this, this is who I want. So, so what was your deciding factor of choosing this family? I believe it was because once she was a school teacher. Okay. I, I have no idea why that was so important to me, but I, okay. thought that was, I thought that was important. And that they had enough, she would have a sibling. Because okay. I grew up with siblings. I, I just felt that was important. Okay. So, so I go and I have... I'm in labor, still not knowing what I'm going to do. My sister was my Lamaze coach. She she was my rock, honestly. And I believe it was the next day, because it was kind of in the middle of the night that I have her, but it was mm-hmm. the next day. My mom and dad came into my room, into my hospital room, and of course, they wanted to know what my decision was. Mm-hmm. And I, at the time, told them, I said, I, I just really need to see her. And I need to be alone and I need to have some time. Okay. And my father just blew up. He just, so one thing you need to know is my parents were older. They, um, my father was almost 50 when I was born. Hmm. So he's in his mid sixties, late sixties at this point. And he just said to me, I cannot do this. We cannot bring a child home. Wow. I cannot raise another child. Wow. And it devastated me, absolutely devastated me. And I didn't know at the time, I didn't know until later that it broke my mother, that she she really wanted us to bring her home. Wow. But she wouldn't say anything. Of course, she's wow. silent. Mm-hmm. Um, was that her personality? Is pretty much pretty being much the silent one? <laughs> it sort of. I mean, okay. she was a strong woman, but yet she was with my, my dad, who who was a normal person. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't a strong fellow himself, but she was the boss. She wore the pants in the family. But okay. at this point, she did not. I mean, okay. it, was, it was, I don't know why. Okay. But, so by so him saying that, that, that was the day after your daughter was born, right? That was the day after. So that sort of made your decision so for you. So that same day, 
it did. However, not long after that conversation happened, my nurse came in and asked me if I wanted to bathe my daughter Mm -hmm. to give her a bath. And I was like, I had no clue because I was told that that would not be a choice that I had. And so I didn't say anything. And I went with her and I got to bathe my child, which was, I, I don't even have words for that, except that I am so thankful that that happened because I feel like in my heart that there was a bond that a lot of birth moms don't get, birth mm-hmm. moms don't get. I don't, I don't know if that's true or if it's not, but that's what I believe. That's just that's true. I mean, true. just I mean, as you're talking, that was not an option not for me. It wasn't. No. And I don't think it was for most. I mean, that was... I have no idea why I, why I received that choice, but I did. Mm-hmm. I went back to my room after that happened, and so I was in the hospital for like four days. I don't remember why I was there so long, but maybe mm-hmm. back then. So this was 1980. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just kept you that long. And the birth father came in, and he and I had visited about this quite a bit, about what we were going to do. And... At this point, it was pretty much a toxic relationship. Once we had, once we started having a sexual relationship, he Mm -hmm. became very possessive. He was an alcoholic. Wow. Um, His family life was the same way. He had grown up very abusive, you know, in an abusive family. But anyway, he had come in and he had been drinking that day. And so I was. I think that was my second deciding factor Okay, was I had decided at some point in there. And I have to tell you, there was a nurse. I'll never forget her. She was Alice. And she came in in the middle of the night because I was up crying. It was my last night there. I was up crying and she came in and she actually laid in my bed with me and held me for several hours. I will never forget her. Hmm. That was a moment. That was a moment. (laughs) and anyway so I had decided and I told so I my sister couldn't be involved in any of this because it would have been a conflict of interest so I had to call my social worker and we kind of got the ball rolling I actually went home and my daughter ended up going I don't know if they called it foster care or what they called it but she had to go to a she had to go to a home which ended up being a family friend Mm -hmm. For a few days until all the paperwork was finished. Okay. Okay. And so once the paperwork was finished, they allowed us to actually go to the adoption agency and hold her and say goodbye to her. Ooh. I have to breathe on that. I have to breathe. I have to breathe. breathe. Yeah. I was, um, you know, of course, you know, it was the hardest thing I have to date ever done. Yeah. I, um, And it was really funny because my mom, so my mom, my dad was not there. It was my mom, his mother, and him and I. And we all got to say goodbye to her. That was a tough thing. When you just mentioned the fact of, and we know that, and I can say in my situation, hearing my story, if people have heard it, that the day that I saw my son for the first time was always, was also the day I saw him for the last time of turning. And, and that, that there are no words. There are no words. 
that will ever, when you say that's the toughest thing, you say so far, I, I really don't think you'll go through anything. I'll say for myself, anything tougher in life. Other no, than that. I don't think you will. And only us, this group, mm-hmm. understand that. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody gets it. Mm-hmm. And which you understand. I'm so grateful for all these. And I'm just all over the place. But mm-hmm. the when I found out about the podcast, about the Facebook groups, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, that was only a few years ago. So I am just starting to heal. I mean, I I really have stuffed everything, wow. even though she's even though she's been in my life. It's I've always been there for her, but I never worked on me. I was in okay. therapy all my life, but okay. I apparently didn't ever get to the core. So until I until this until I've learned mm-hmm. that these people exist, that all of us are we're a family. I mean, Absolutely. When, when, and when you say you're in therapy, I speak about that. It's like peeling back the layers. So whether you, until you acknowledge the pain, the grief, only then can you heal. Right. Only then can And I you. thought I was doing that mm-hmm. younger, at my younger age. But boy, I didn't even know what that was. I didn't come close until wow. the last few years. Yeah. It's a lifelong it's a thing. Life-long it doesn't end. Never ends. It's it doesn't end. It's a journey. Constant yeah. journey. Yeah. I and, like and I don't know and if you have, but you probably have that people who don't understand. Well, okay, get over it. You know, haven't you gotten over that by now? No. No. You just you just don't understand. I mean, it's just something you know, my husband is very supportive, but he doesn't get it. I mean, I, I can talk to him and he'll listen, but he mm-hmm. doesn't he wants to fix it and you can't. <laughs> I, I like to say men are XY chromosomes. We're XX, and I think men are just fixers. They are absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, and God love them. But yeah, that doesn't right. work. Well, <laughs> let me let me go back a little bit to just see because you may I remember you mentioned when you met the the birth father. He was older, and he paid you a lot of attention. You mentioned a lot of attention. So had you gotten attention before and maybe this was the reason why it was so good for you to be with him at that time? Were you seeking for attention? Did you need attention? I, I didn't know it at the time, but yes, I was. I, okay. And I feel like, as I told you, I was the youngest of five. Mm-hmm. The oldest one next to me was eight years older than I was. Okay. My oldest sister is 14 years old. Okay. Okay. My brother that's eight years older than I was, he was actually hit by a car. So he had a brain injury. Mm. So as I was growing up, I didn't get, I didn't have attention from my parents that they all received. Mm -hmm. I was pretty much on my own or my sister, she kind of raised me. I mean, Mm. I hung out with them. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, and I was, I was never given like, crazy curfews or anything like that. My mom just always trusted me. She said okay. she trusted me to make the right decision. And I usually did. Right. But I, d- I didn't get attention. I mean, okay. Okay. I'm guessing. <laughs> and unfortunately, that there typically is a correlation between where we are at a certain point of our life based on what we have been experienced or uh, are brought into our life for us to see what we're seeking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what I 
what I thought. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so moving on as once you signed the papers with the side of the family, how was that? It was, it, I thought it was crazy. So <laughs> bizarre to me how my mother reacted. I, I told you who was there and she, once we signed the papers, the social worker took my daughter away and here we are outside the adoption agency. And my mom says, Hey, Let's go to the house. Why don't you guys all come to the house and we'll have coffee and ice cream. And I thought that was the most bizarre thing. I had, I mean, it just didn't go with what was happening. Mm. But mm. we did. That's what we did. And I think that was my mother's way of coping. I was going to say that. Was that her way of, let's just, I don't know, celebrate? Just this occurrence? I, I have no idea. I think... Because my mother was mourning deeply, but I think that was just her way of coping. I mean, right. Let's right. eat. And <laughs> you know, let's eat and have some coffee. Right. So now, where was your dad in this now? Because she. So my dad. My dad stayed home. Okay. And I have to tell you that he was once he saw, I think, how I was hurt and how my heart was broken. Mm-hmm. He became. You know, he was he was very supportive after that, very loving. Was he able to say the words to show and say those same things of supporting you? No. I had a lot of hugs and it'll be okay and you know, those words. Mm -hmm. He did the best he could. Right, right, right. All he knew. Right. We have to meet people where they are, you know. That was the same with my parents. They they just weren't able. And and kind of like yours where you just went in and announced that you had you know, I, and then it's done. And then you don't talk about it. You, it's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not spoken. Mm-hmm. It's not. So my sister would check in with me every year. She would always make sure I was okay. Cause on, on the birthday, birthday the birthdays. Birthday. Yep. Yeah. I always received, she was just, she, she was just very thoughtful that way, but I didn't have any aftercare. Mm-hmm. as far as mental health mm-hmm. whatsoever mm-hmm. right and you know and it's you strange know, you just said just that that as soon as your your sister you went to her she got you she into got therapy you. that was before right. but none afterwards nothing afterwards and I don't know that at that point in time you know I just feel like everybody did what they could to help me mm-hmm. but not talking about it was mm-hmm everybody's way of handling it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's a giant elephant in the room. Yes, that yeah. nobody nobody wants nobody to acknowledge. I can't see out the window because this big elephant is in front of me. And when you refer to I did just I have a son. No one had asked me. <laughs> no one said anything, but I have a son. Yeah. Too much. It's a lot. Nobody says anything. No one says anything. And I find, I don't know your opinion on this, my my opinion on it is that was just how adoption was because, and and, and I have found different cultures, different races, different periods of time, even back from the thirties and forties and fifties and sixties and seventies, it was like, okay, you just don't talk about it. And who told them that? I don't know, but the, but it's wrong. So wrong. It's so wrong. And I'm glad that I really feel like things are changing. I mean, I feel like there has to be some sort of movement to. Yes. To it's starting here. Yes. 
it is starting here because if if you heard in and I was talking about the whole purpose and aim and mission behind Birth Mom's Real Talk is that real talk is to say the things we need to say is to make things transparent. Nothing is hidden. Nothing is secret. And I use the word training, but maybe not training, but to let the whole triad for the adoptive parents, birth parents, and the adoptee, because that's the person who had no decision on any of this, for to let them know to be able to express your feelings is okay. Because when people don't talk about things, typically it's shame that's put on it. Well, they're not talking about it, so I guess it's bad. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that way at all. Just It's because I like to say they're not talking about it because they're sick and they don't know how to talk about it. I agree. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful that you're doing this. This is just, this is such a huge road that we're going to travel together, all of us. Mm-hmm. And I Absolutely. And, and I like to say and in the light, the we're going to travel together in the light, not in a hidden room, not in a close that you only, we just can talk together. Well, everybody's going here. That's why podcasts that people all over the world are listening, whether they're in the triad or not. And that's who needs to listen. I agree. That's who needs to listen because we need to take the covers off of adoption completely. Everything from allowing adoptees to get their original birth certificates to all of that, because that's part of their heritage, their legacy, their DNA. And it takes both, takes the nature and the nurture working together. Yes, I agree. I love it. So, so moving forward, you were 16 then. So did you go back to school or where were you? Were you finishing school or what? I did. I stayed in my hometown and I went to school while I was okay. pregnant. Okay. And of course, I go back to school and don't have a child. And did was, did people did, know did in people school? Know? Yeah, they did. I mean, and I really didn't. I had a lot of friends, and I feel like I I was judged by a few of them, and I was judged by one person in particular. I remember I was in the bathroom crying afterwards. You know, I went back to school probably three weeks after I had her. Mm-hmm. And I was in the bathroom, just couldn't take it. <laughs> right. And I was in the stall crying. And I remember her coming in and she said, she told me I was going to go to hell for what I did. And that made it worse. I left school. But, you know, later in life, that woman apologized. Mm. And so that was pretty cool. That was, okay. that was pretty cool. Okay. I don't know what happened that made her change her mind. Okay. That was okay. pretty awesome. But I did go, I did continue I actually lost it after, I don't know if you did, you went on to school and finished, you Mm -hmm. did wonderful things. I went, I took a dive. Mm. (laughs) I took a big dive Mm -hmm. and became somebody I didn't like, Mm -hmm. but, and I stayed with him. We dated off and on for years, stayed with the birth father. Mm -hmm. And then I had, I got pregnant again by him when I was 19 and I had my son and I actually moved away okay. to where I am right now. And I kept my son. Okay. And so they're full brother and sister. And they have a relationship. Okay. Kind of crazy. So talk about reunion. I know you mentioned that you've been in reunion for a while. So when did you find each other? How did it happen? So Yvonne, I am not sure if anybody else feels this way, but I had I had this sense that I knew she was going to find me. Mm. I just knew it. And I had been, so I would contact adoption agency about every four or five years. 
and I would just inquire. I, I would tell them that I'm just inquiring. I'm not, I don't want to interfere with your lives. I just want to make sure, I just want to know that she's alive. And the, the adoptive mother was very kind. She wrote a letter to, and the adoption agency would give it to me. And we never had contact. It was just through the adoption agency always. But she would always do that. One time I got a picture. Something about getting that picture, isn't it? Isn't it something about the first time you see the picture? The first one was crazy because she looked just like me at that age. And just the description that the adoptive mother said she laughed like a billy goat. Um, You know, just different things. It was just amazing. And so, and then she actually... Um, she's probably going to kill me for saying this, but she was actually had an eating disorder in the middle of her life, in the middle mm. of her teenage years. Mm. And her parents contacted the adoption agency. And then I had to fill out a, like a family history sort mm. of thing. So we did that. And she made it through that fine, um, but she struggled. Mm-hmm. And then the day she turned on her 18th birthday, I actually took the day off. Okay. And I really felt like she was going to contact me that day and it didn't happen that day, but it did happen within a few days. And the the social worker called me and uh, we talked on speakerphone and then we wrote to each other for about a year before we actually met. And that was pretty crazy. (laughs) (laughs) We we met in a neutral place Mm -hmm. and she actually lived in one town and she drove five hours and I drove 12 okay. to meet her. And um, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful reunion. It really was. And my son was there with me. Oh, wow. That had to be special. It was. It was. They actually met in the lobby by accident, but it worked out perfectly because they both came to the room to get me. Okay. <laughs> so it's, okay. It's, 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 and so how has the reunion been? Obviously, when that sensing, and there's something about that sensing, because you said you always believed that she'll search for you. I knew I'd find my son. I would write in my journal. I will see my son one day. I mean, I was like confident. Didn't know how, didn't know when, but I knew it was going to happen. Going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly how I was. And I, I would tell my sister that. I said, I, I know that she's going to find me. And I'm going to make it easy for her to find me. Mm-hmm. And I did. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was, the reunion has been, so we had a really long honeymoon phase. Okay. And probably about five or six years ago. And talk about the honeymoon phase for those listening who don't, are not aware of the honeymoon phase. It was just all peaches and cream. And we got along and we had a great time. We talked openly about everything. Anytime she would ask me, I would give her any information. I was pretty much an open book. One thing I didn't do was I made sure that I kept, I don't know what the word is, but a neutral thing about the birth father. I I really, you know, I felt like that was her Mm -hmm. position to make. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't want to say much about that. She knew where to find him. You know, I gave her all that information, but it wasn't until about... I'm not really sure I'm horrible with dates, but it was probably about six years ago. Mm -hmm. She was in a relationship that ended. And at that point, she started getting help because she felt like she was, you know, there was just something wrong with her. Mm -hmm. And she started getting some pretty deep therapy. 
Okay. And at that point, it opened up a whole bunch of doors for her and a whole bunch of feelings mm-hmm. and deep, deep trauma feelings. Mm-hmm. And so we never stopped talking, but she distanced herself mm-hmm. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I would try to open up that door again and we would talk, but it was superficial. Do you know okay. what I mean? It was super superficial mm-hmm. and then one day she just asked me for if she could get all my records the adoption agency in order to do that she had to have my permission okay mm-hmm. and I said yes but I don't know what's in there and with that she you know she agreed that she wanted everything so mm-hmm. I told the adoption agency to send her everything okay and in that was, and I don't know how this was with you, but in that was her birth certificate, her original birth certificate. Mm-hmm. And stamped across that birth certificate was a huge red void stamp. What is a red what? Void. B-O-I-D. Okay. Like it didn't even happen. Mm-hmm. And that sent her and myself into a tailspin. Mm-hmm. And from there... So she continued therapy. I actually sought therapy because this was, this was just, I don't know why, but it was, it was deep. It was okay. really deep for me. It brought all the, all the stuff back, the mm-hmm. trauma. And then I felt responsible and I needed to help her through this. Mm-hmm. And I, but she needed to do it on her own. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It was her own process, crazy. her own process and her own pace. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it took me a minute to learn that. Uh-huh. I think she's probably told me that. She's actually a therapist as well. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. And both of my kids are. It's kind of crazy. But so she, um, once again, distanced herself. There was an elephant in the room. Even though we talked about it, uh-huh. I don't think we were 100% honest with each other. And once that happened, things started started getting better. But I don't, you know, I think it's going to take a while for mm-hmm. us to get back to where we completely. Because she's how old she's now? She'll be 41. Okay. Okay. You know, and, and it's not going to happen overnight for whatever number of years. It could be two, three, four, or 40 years, 45 in my case. That's a lot of processing. And, and it's, you can't set a timetable on it. Well, and it's continuous. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? It's, mm-hmm always going on mm-hmm. so, absolutely you know the, your instance your of saying instance void over the birth certificate that really that is really what it is what it is they void it the original birth certificate and I guess I made a that. new one as if the old one didn't matter that's my opinion and i don't think they do that anymore i mean i don't i don't know that but my sister was my sister was baffled she did not know that that was on there Well, you know, if you think about it, and then you just brought this up because I hadn't heard that before, they essentially, I guess they had to void to bring them to do a new one because they did a new one. Yeah, but it sure didn't feel like that. (laughs) It didn't feel like it was just paperwork. And and, well, see, that's the thing, you know, as we talk about, that's the way they do things. And that's the, I guess the system is still the same, quite frankly. And, And I'm serious about a movement that, Clarity, clarity needs to be in the adoption industry. Clarity. clarity. 
in understanding the impact of all of this. It's not something you can cover over and just, hey, just get over it. It's not. Simply not. Just crazy. And, you know, that was one thing that she had said was that everybody tells me I need to be grateful <laughs> for my parents, for my adoptive parents. And she goes, and I'm so sick of hearing that. And when she said that, I didn't really understand at first mm-hmm. because I thought, well, you know what? Maybe you should be. But then I thought, holy cow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I, I guess that came, I came to my senses on that. Yeah. Yes, we should be grateful, but man, there's so much more than that. That's there is so much more, you know, like Damon was the one to introduce me and I've been re- listening to his podcast coming from the adoptees perspective. And that's part of understanding where adoptees come from. It It, it is like grateful. Okay. Well, they were adopted, but that twofold, I keep going back to that. That birth bond will never be broken as far as I'm concerned. I mean, cause you can't change that. You can change certificates all you want to. But you cannot change the birth bond, (laughs) the birth bond. But at the same time, and I like to say I gave life to my son, but his adoptive family showed him how to live life. That's really how I put it. And it's both, both were needed. Both are needed. Absolutely. But if I recall you saying to me, Rose, your daughter was the one who (laughs) referred you to me on this podcast. Am I correct? So she, so she referred me to the podcast. Okay. And I listened to your story. Okay. And then once I listened to your story, there was three, uh-huh. three on the podcast, yours, and then the two others. Okay. And I, I listened to all three of them at, right then and there, and I have no idea what possessed me, but I went <laughs> straight to your website. I mean, I was on autopilot. And and listeners, she's telling the absolute truth. When I got the email from Rose, it was like, I have no idea why I'm writing. (laughs) I am scared to death, but I can seem like I can't stop writing you. That was what you said. That's exactly how it was. It was like I was typing and these words were vomiting out of my mouth. And here we are today. Here we are. Here. And I told my daughter, and she was like, oh, my gosh. Because I told her, I said, I did a thing. And, uh, <laughs> you did a thing. <laughs> yeah, I did a thing today. And, in fact, she I was telling you that she texted me right before this. And she mm-hmm. said, you got this. So, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. kind of cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and first of all, I... I, I encourage all birth moms, not encourage them, but encourage them as well. And this is a tough thing. You're, you're, you're sharing your, your journey, your soul, your spirit to others. And I'd like to say those who are ready to share their story, that is a part of healing also. Absolutely. And yes, yes, it's vulnerable, but gosh, that's where we need to be. We all have to get there in order to change this entire community we've got to change the way people think about this mm-hmm. absolutely and the way people process it, it just right. Has to change. right 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 so your daughter is 31 41 41 41 so i don't know your parents are still up so how, how did it how did it end up with in your family with your mom your dad your sisters your brother or your family so oh they just all accepted her i mean it was I, I think we all feel the big void in her life. We're a very close family. We're Italian and German and very close. Okay. And so they all accepted her 
as, you know, my daughter. Okay. And as their niece and their granddaughter. And, okay. Um, yeah, it was beautiful. My son accepted her 100% as his sister. So Very good. And they had a great relationship. You know, they've had some issues. They're brothers and sisters, right? Yeah, That's absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, when people talk about people talk about siblings, uh, okay, whether they're raised or adopted, it's still some issues, okay? It's crazy. My my husband and I both just kind of shake our heads sometimes when they're together because it's like they lived apart, but you would never would have guessed it. Ah, uh, okay. Good, good, good. There's that DNA. Yes, it's definitely <laughs> the DNA. Definitely. Okay. All right. And as part of what Birth Moms Real Talk, as we say, we allow birth moms to tell their story, their journey, and we sort of look in, I like to say, through the glass windows of Birth Moms Real Talk podcast. But we also cover a hot topic and we ask the guests to either come up with something that they want to talk about that others are not talking about and it's from their own perspective. So tell us what we're going to talk about today, Rose. So... I have decided that I would like to discuss the holding space. What okay. What is my idea of holding space mm-hmm. with my child? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I guess my definition of holding space is how her and I deal with things together, how we, the process that we do and the boundaries that we have or don't have. Mm-hmm. And, and they've changed as we've changed. Right. So... Um, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. We, Gro- progress, growth. Exactly. And I feel like at this point, we don't really have any boundaries. Mm. Um, I'm an open book, like I said, and I've always has been, have been an open book, but I don't think we knew the questions to ask. Okay. She knew the questions to ask. Mm-hmm. And so we, I'm not sure how to articulate this, but at first I was reserved. And gave her information as she asked me for it. Mm-hmm. She never really, I think she felt like she had to have boundaries as well. Okay. And so her and her parents had a lot of boundaries. Like they didn't give her everything she needed all at once. Mm. She, which I, good or bad, I don't know. They did, right. they did what they felt was right. Right. Absolutely. And, so as she would get information and she would come to me and ask me questions and I would just be as honest as I could. Mm-hmm. At first I would be honest, but yet I held back because I didn't want to hurt her. And I found that that's, that's just not, I, I just needed to be a hundred percent honest. With her. Mm-hmm. And so we've gotten pretty real. Lately. Okay. Well, let me ask you, when you say you felt as if you had to hold back, that you feel full of hurting her, so you felt as if if you were completely honest up front, as you say, that somehow that would hurt her? Tell me why you thought that. I didn't, and I, I probably don't have a really good answer for that. Okay. Then I knew and needed to tell her that I loved her and I wanted her. She was loved. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did that. But there were times when... Or the fact that I did place her for adoption always made me feel like she thought that I didn't love her. So I would go overboard with that part of it. And I feel like I didn't do her justice doing that. And so I, I, I would hold back and I wouldn't say things about her birth father that maybe I should have. Mm. You know, there were just things that I held back and I probably shouldn't have. 
So how do you feel now that she's feeling very vulnerable? Oh, you both are feeling vulnerable with each other that you can share everything? I feel like we can. Honestly, Yvonne, I feel like there's nothing that okay. I can't tell her mm-hmm. that she won't accept. Mm-hmm. I mean, she may not accept it, but she at least tells me how she feels about it. Good, good, so. good, good. And this is my opinion, but I truly believe you really cannot get truly, when I say intimate, grow as close as possible unless everything is transparent. Everything's on the on the table. table. Love me, good, bad, ugly, or different scars, all that. This is me. This is. And I think we're getting there. I mean, I think that we. I think I've realized that. Okay. Okay. Good. And and we put ourselves out there, quite frankly. Of my son is like, I'm telling you, he didn't have to ask anything. This is what it is. This is what happened. Wanted to, he just, you heard my story. It was, he, he knew everything. So I, I felt so blessed, Rose, after my story had aired. He listened and he texted me and said he was so proud of me. That was priceless itself to know, to know. Yeah. So talk me, talk more to me about holding space for your daughter. So it's me, like I said. My goal is to always, always hold space for her. Whatever she needs, I'm there for. Mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to do that. And I feel like I feel like that's what we both need, you mm-hmm. know? And hopefully she will always be honest with me about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And I feel very passionate about the fact that we both are working together at the same time mm-hmm. on ourselves and this subject and we can we can talk about it mm-hmm. you know we can talk about the things that we're feeling and right. um, I'm just hoping that at some point that we get 100% the elephant gets out of the room <laughs> well you know and you know you've heard it's, it's like a joke how do you how do you uh, eat an elephant <laughs> bit by bit yeah <laughs> you right? put your work I mean, on it to be I want the door to be completely open but you, but you're but working you're on working. it. You're working on it. Working. And it's a process. And to me, and I can speak just about my situation, it's sometimes faster at times and it'll slow down. And that's that roller coaster. It is. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Be prepared for it. I got a seatbelt on. That's right. Yeah. Ready for it. And ready to go. And ready to go. And I don't ride roller coasters in real life. <laughs> but. I'm on one now emotionally, but it's okay. It is so And I okay. think that's where I need to it is okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to do this mm-hmm. slowly. We don't have to do it overnight. Mm-hmm. And I'm being patient. I'm very patient. So and so mm-hmm. is she. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. We've learned to be patient. That's it. That's it. Or or, or as or, I think I had one guest one say or someone else I was talking to. I'm waiting I'm impatiently. Waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting, I'm waiting impatiently. So it's not like you have to be patient, but you do have to wait. Patient, but you do have to wait. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I love it. I mean, it's, it's how we grow. Yes. 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 So any final thoughts or how this whole, thank you for your bravery. Thank you so much for your bravery. Thank you. I really don't. I just want everybody to know that you are yeah, and you're just a blessing to all of us. I I love your podcast. I love what you've had to say, and I love what you're doing. And if I can help you in any way, I am here. I'm here for Wonderful. you. Wonderful. Wonderful. We're, in, we're here together. We're in Absolutely. this together. And, and and that that is the bond. 
that's the bond that all of us together, the birth moms, and I, I bring in the whole triad, everyone tapped or even touched by adoption to have these conversations. So that's the reality of the real talk that you, you'll get transparency with me. You, you will get for us talk to you about anything. Yes. Ask me about my son. Very proud of him. Love to talk about my son. Don't just think, oh, she's she just found her son after 45 days. Should I say anything? Yes. Absolutely. Like should say something. <laughs> absolutely. But but it's it's typically the scenario when people find out is like it's like the hush hush. No more hush hush. Yeah, that's what we mean. I mean, it just the silence has got to be broken. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think we're doing that. I think yeah. I think that's where we're headed. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks you know, to you. I posted something on Facebook today that we're going to have, as we talked about, we'll have some of the guests coming back live on the Facebook. And I said that the numbers, and I just, evidence of the numbers, people reaching out and saying that this is just help them. And that's the whole purpose behind this, that that people, I, I, I like to say they're coming out of the walls. It's like, oh, wow, where y'all been all this year? But <laughs> they're coming out with testimonies and, and saying that, Yes. I am just, I mean, you have to be so proud of yourself to be a part of that. I mean, that's. I'm proud of the blessing that God has given me to to be able to do this. That's what I'm, and when I get these testimonies of, I've heard people are coming and saying that they shared for the first time with family after years. Yeah, that's crazy to me. You know, unbelievable. But yeah, we're building a community. We're building a village. Everyone will be hearing more about for is not only just listening to the podcast, but becoming members into this community and this village that we're building and that we'll have con- constant connections separate inside for the podcast, separate inside from Facebook Live and all that, that we're just going to hold each other and grow with each other and just heal and empower each other. Okay. I agree. Thank you so much, Rose. You've been listening to Birth Moms Real Talk with D. Yvonne Rivers, where this is a place of healing, empowerment, and we talk the real talk. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening into Birth Moms Real Talk, where birth mothers share their journeys and we have an open and honest conversation about adoption. If you would like to share your story or you have any comments, you can reach us at birthmomsrealtalk.com or email us at Yvonne at birthmomsrealtalk.com. If you like what you heard, we would appreciate your support on Patreon as a supporter. Find out more on our website. Tune in next time. See you then.